listening to the Keef to the City podcast. All right, the Yankees dropped the first of three. Yet another loss to the Red Sox this season. Now they're... Three and seven against the Red Sox in the season that just needs to come to an end. And joining me today to talk Yankees Red Sox, uh, as he does just about every Yankees Red Sox series, Jared Carabas of Barstool Sports. You can read him on the uh, Barstool uh, Sports site, the Barstool Baseball site. Follow him on Twitter at Jared underscore Carabas. Also listen to him on the Section Ted podcast for all Red Sox talk. Jared, how's it going today? What's going on, Neil? I just wanted to offer my condolences for the loss of your season. I know I've been there. <laughs> to not have meaningful baseball games to watch over the course of a summer. It almost ruins the summer. It actually does ruin my summer. So my condolences to you at this very difficult time in your life. <laughs> it does ruin my summer as well. And I know the last time we talked uh, back in May um, when the Yankees were struggling, they had just you know gotten beat up by the Red Sox, swept there. They fell to, um, I think, 8-15 and 15 at that point. And I asked you about, you know, what do you do if it comes to this point? What if the Yankees don't rebound? What if they just you know, end up being a last-place team for the whole season. And they did give us a few moments where we thought, hey, they might go on a run. But at this point now, uh, you know, they're still at 500. There's about seven weeks left in the season. They traded off their best three players in Beltran, Miller, and Chapman. Um, they won't play their good players. They've only called up one kid despite preaching the youth movement. So, yeah, the season's over, and it just sucks because every night I watch this team. And um, at this point, I'm just rooting against them, really, because there's no likable players on the team outside of D.D., and really Tanaka, who doesn't obviously play every day. Then you've got Gary Sanchez, who I don't know if he's even going to play every day. And then A-Rod, who they won't even play with four games left in his career. So uh, it, it's a very odd dynamic because at least for you, when you were watching shitty baseball, you had the the you know the future at stake. You had Mookie Betts to watch or Jackie Bradley Jr. or Xander Bogarts. You still had Ortiz. You still had Pedroia. Where, meanwhile here, we have one prospect to watch in Sanchez uh, and then a bunch of players I think every Yankees fan hates. <laughs> That's a pretty accurate description. I, I feel like you've you've said this before in in a rant maybe at some point, but yeah, I, I, I do think that it's odd, I guess, that you know, the Yankees have sold off all these pieces and yet I mean their season's over, but they're not out of it. I mean it's not they're not gonna make the postseason, but when you look at the standings, I mean, when the Red Sox were out of it, they were out of it. I mean, like, they were, like, double-digit games behind, um, you know, even sniffing a playoff spot when they really tanked. But So that's why I'm kind of curious, I guess, because um, I heard Joe Girardi's explanation for why he didn't want to play A-Rod in these games, and he was like, yeah, because, you know, we still want to win games. Like, why? Yeah. Why do you care? Like, you already sold off like all your best pitchers and your best offensive player, like why are you managing to win baseball games instead of just letting A-Rod play out the string? Who cares? And then if you let A-Rod play out the string and he does horribly, I mean, you're going to lose games and, and get a better draft pick. I mean, aren't they more focused on the, the farm system aspect of building a team right now? So I don't understand the mentality of like trading off your – best players and then also trying to win games at the same time sounds very uh counterproductive it is and i think what you said about the red sox at least when they tanked they tanked and they were losing you know in the 90s for for losses when the yankees tank they still you know string you along and, and they get you know i have to watch every night because 
I keep thinking, you know, what if they do sweep a series here or, you know, win seven in a row or something or back in it? And because they're five and a half out, it's not that crazy. And Joe Girardi said the other day when A-Rod announced his retirement that, um, you know, he said crazier things have happened. And really, you know, outside of Disney movies, crazier things haven't happened because this team is not a playoff team. If they ever did get in a one-game playoff and had to face either the Red Sox or the Blue Jays or the Tigers, they would get absolutely smoked. They scored two runs a night. Last night they scored three. It felt like they scored 30. Uh, it's just a horrible team. It sucks to watch. They're, they're bad from top to bottom. You know, Joe Girardi is a clown. He talks the other day about how A-Rod, you know, he, he's going to give him these last four games. If he wants to play, he'll play. If he wants to play the field, he can play the field. Then the first chance he gets, the guy's on the bench, and he says, we're still trying to win games is the reason A-Rod's not playing. But you've got Mark Teixeira goes 0 for 5, strikes out looking on a fastball down the middle with the bases loaded. Aaron Hicks goes 0 for, 0 for 4 with a walk, reached on an error. The guy's the worst you know, now everyday player in Major League Baseball. Jacoby Ellsbury sucks. You know, Brett Gardner is the streakiest player in baseball. Brian McCann, they should have just gotten rid of him last week when they had a chance. It seemed like the Braves were willing to take him if the Yankees would eat $10 million, and they wouldn't eat $10 million because they said they're not going to do that anymore after they, you know, ate all of A.J. Burnett's money. They're going to eat A-Rod's money. They ate the money on Kay Gala. But now we're putting our foot down when it comes to getting rid of Brian McCann. Uh, and then you got Starling Castro, who just... You know, I thought bigger things were going to come of him when he came here. I thought it was a great deal until I, you know, realized watching him every day, he'll just swing at any pitch, doesn't matter where it is. So it, it's it's honestly insane for Girardi to talk about this team could go on a run and make the playoffs when you're hitting Mark Teixeira a third, when you're playing Aaron Hicks, period. And it just, it doesn't make sense. So if you're going to lose, just play A-Rod. Who cares? There's four games left. You know, people want to see the guy go out. It doesn't matter the PEDs or whatnot. Just let him play. And then on Saturday, you could go back to your bullshit and play the guys who suck. Right. Exactly. And, I mean, I was I was at the game last night at Fenway. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the lineup card here that the Yankees are trotting out there. And, you know, Craig Kimbrell is getting into a mess in the ninth inning. You know, he walks four guys. But, I mean, you never panic as a Red Sox fan because, you know, he walks a guy to get to a guy. So he'll walk a guy that's hitting under 200 to get to a guy who's hitting under 200, walk him to get to another guy who's hitting under 200. And it was just like, what is, what is going on right now? I mean, the, the Yankees have some names, I guess, in their lineup. But when you look at it, who is it that really scares you? Who is the meat of that order? It, it, it doesn't exist. No, so there is no it's baffling to me that a team that's that bad that um, has been in sell mode and is just, I guess, tanking, so to speak, that they can still be in it. I mean, they strip away their best players to leave these shitty players behind, and they're still finding ways to win games, but you just look at the numbers and it's like, how? How are you winning games? I don't understand it. Um, but again, so someone had this this theory that they posted to me about A-Rod and that, uh, you know, they, they brought up um, D Gordon in Miami and how he knew for about a month or two that he had failed a test, but because of the, um, you know, their players are protected and they're not suspended until they know for sure. So someone said maybe A-Rod tested positive again but it's not come out yet because he's not officially been suspended. And then the Yankees found out and were just like, well, that's it. You're, you know, you're going to get suspended anyway. So you should just come out and say that you're retiring and we're not going to play you anyway, because we'd look stupid um, 
for playing a guy that we knew tested positive again. It's an interesting theory. I don't know if there's any, there's literally no rumors. <laughs> it's just a theory that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. It makes way more sense than, you know, we're going to put Mark Teixeira in the lineup every day who's also retiring and hitting under 200, but not A-Rod. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, that theory can't be discounted because of his history and because of the timing and because of the fact that if you're so worried about roster, you know, spots, the rosters expand in three weeks. So it just seems like if you're going to make him retire, just do it at the end of the year and let him chase 700. Um, so it's not that that's not that outlandish. And if he were, to, if that was the case, what exactly kind of PEDs is he taking? Because he sucks. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's certainly not taking whatever David Ortiz has been taking because whatever he has is, is the good stuff. But like you said about Teixeira, you know, Teixeira sort of did the, you know, I'm not breaking up with, you know, you can't break up with me because I'm breaking up with you or, you know, you can't fire me because I quit. And now he, I, I guess he sort of has this like shield or this like immunity around him where just because he sucks and he already said he's going to retire, they're not going to do anything about him, which I hope isn't true because I don't care if it's once the rosters expand, I don't care if it's tomorrow, if you're going to cut ties with A-Rod, you know, granted he is owed another $21 million next year, but if you're going to get ties with him, you you can't just keep trotting to share out there. The guy has one more home run than A-Rod, despite playing every single day, except for his DL stint. So it's not like he, he's doing better, and, and I don't care that he plays the field and A-Rod doesn't play the field. There's plenty of guys in, in AAA who are knocking on the door who could come up and play first base. So I just feel like, you know, it's hard to really say A-Rod's being treated unfairly because of, you know, the way he's sort of handled things his entire career, but... At this stage, you can't just pick and choose who you're going to release and who you're not going to release when when you have guys who just suck up and down the order. And the other part of this is, you know, Joe Girardi and and, and Brian Cashman and people keep saying, you know, they don't owe anything to A Rod to to keep playing. Well, no, they do because if A Rod didn't have the 09 postseason that he did, Joe Girardi wouldn't be the Yankees manager anymore, and Brian Cashman wouldn't be the GM anymore because this team would be looking at a 16-year World Series drought. So they sort of owe everything they have at this point to A-Rod because in the last seven years, they haven't done anything. Right, yeah. And, and I think that the Teixeira factor of all of it makes the A-Rod part more suspicious in terms of, you know, how can you say that we're trying to win games, so that's why A-Rod's on the bench, when your number three hitter has been just as um, shitty as, as you know, A-Rod has been. And it's, it's, you know, in both guys, not like you're investing long-term in Mark Teixeira. He's also retiring at the end of the year. Uh, so I think that there's definitely, 100% has to be more to the story that we don't know. I just hope that we do find out because um, whether or not it's a report that comes out at the end of the year or like a tell-all book from A-Rod at some point, I think that we're going to find out that uh, there's there's more to this A-Rod story than we know right now. Yeah, and the, the, this, the most awful thing about all this is, you know, I don't care that this era is ending of, of Yankees baseball with, you know, A-Rod to share, and I guess CC really the lasting faces of the most recent success they've had, but... This team, you know, at this point, the AAA lineup is better than the major league lineup. And I think every Yankees fan would actually attend the games and watch the games and be, you know, more involved in the game if they just had the AAA lineup as the major league lineup. But aside from Gary Sanchez, there's no one else they can really call up right now because every pass to the majors is blocked by whether it's McCann or Teixeira or Ellsbury or Gardner or now Aaron Hicks, who... Uh, Brian Cashman said last week he, he thinks can become the next Jackie Bradley Jr. because he started out badly as well. So 
it just it just blows my mind. And to look at this team, you know, it's not a Yankees team that everyone has gotten used to seeing. I mean, they they can't score runs. There's no power. The you know Beltran led the team with 22 home runs, and he's already been gone a week. The next highest is McCann at 15, um, and then Didi at 13. So there's a chance we might see this Yankees team finish the season with the only home run hitter being, you know, 20 home run hitter being Beltran, who wasn't on the team for the last two months of the season. And if you think, <laughs> if you think back to, you know, 2009, that team that won the World Series, and out of their nine everyday players, seven of them had 20 plus home runs. And the other two were Jeter, who had 18, and then Melky and Gardner, who sort of split time in, in, in the outfield in that role. So, we're looking at a Yankees team possibly with, you know, their home lead their home run leading guy, you know, under 20, aside from Beltran, who's out on the Texas Rangers. So the thing about that, you bring up Beltran, and we can swing it to a positive here because even as a Red Sox fan, I can fully recognize that the Yankees killed that trade deadline. I mean, they, you know, the, the thing that everyone is talking about right now is how the Yankees went out and got all these prospects, all these top 100 prospects, and how they're going to be great um, two years from now. And, you know, they got all these guys that they can bring up through the system. I'm kind of looking at it from a different perspective now in that the Yankees kind of just entered the Chris Sale sweepstakes. Did they not? I mean, they, there's no way they're going to bring up all of these prospects. I feel like they are stacking them up in order to put together a package to to make their team better through a trade. Because, uh, I mean, the free agent market for uh, starting pitching is atrocious. So I can easily, easily see the Yankees being like, hey, we're interested in Chris Sale too. Um, they clearly have the pieces to get something like that done, whether it's Sale or Quintana. I feel like they're going to be in on one of those two this offseason. Well, Quintana was a Yankee, and, and they let him go, and then, uh, you know, he had his PED problems, and, and now he's sort of turned into a front-end guy, but I am very against them doing, you know, what you just suggested and going after Chris Sale, because one, it, it basically just backtrack and go back to the mentality and the philosophy the Yankees have had for the last decade that has put them in this position where they now have to sell off and have a losing season to rebuild, um, and I just feel like, you know, Chris Sale, yeah, he's a, a top tier pitcher. He's not, you know, I don't, I never put him in the Kershaw um, tier who I think he stands alone. And I think Arietta's is after that. He, I think, you know, put sale in that Arietta tier, but sales numbers are also on the decline and to go and give up all the prospects you just got for one guy who's now, you know, inching towards 30, you know, has a lot of innings under his belt who came to the majors at a very young age. I just feel like, yeah, it'd be nice to have Chris sale, but at what expense? And and I've always been, you know, a guy to to trade prospects for proven talent. But uh, I don't know. I I just have a bad feeling if they were to make that move, you know, there'd be a lot of hype around there, and then Chris Sale would make like three starts and then land on the DL for three years or something. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know that it would be specifically Chris Sale, but I just look at all the pieces that they've added and the pieces that they already had in place you could make a case that, you know, not everyone is going to be able to come up and contribute. I, I do think that they will look to add, even if it's not even a pitcher, they could look to get creative and just add someone who can help them in 2017, um, even a guy that's under control, someone that they can, that can help them 2017 and beyond. I think that they're going to do something like that, like put together a nice package for, uh, an impact player because I mean that's what the Yankees do. They will they want superstars. Now that um, 
they've kind of backed away from from buying them. I think that they're going to try to add a superstar via their beefed-up farm system that they just built. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me because I feel like ownership, you know, while they're the, you know, everyone's talking about the Yankees right now and, the, you know, how they did such a great job at the deadline, but no one even knows if they did a great job because no one knows what any of these players are going to become or if any of them will actually be, you know, solid everyday major leaguers. We hope that, you know, at least one or two of them will be, but um, there's been a lot of praise about the Yankees, you know, look what they did at the deadline, you know, kudos to Brian Cashman, great job. And it's driving me nuts because it's Brian Cashman's fault that the Yankees are in the position where they're trading off Miller and Beltran and Chapman and not going to the postseason once again. It's his fault that they're in this spot. It's his fault that they have all these paths to the majors blocked by big contracts. But here he is, you know, he's he's coming off as the hero of the day because he got eight prospects back for two relievers and a, and a 40-year-old outfielder. Yeah, and it, it's just, I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm happy for you. Obviously, as a Yankee fan, I, my question to you: Are you surprised that they sold at all? Because how quick we forget, we were going into I don't know the first week of July when most people knew that the Yankees were out of it, and uh, there was some talk about how we, I think it was, I don't know if it was Cashman or Girardi. It might have been Steinbrenner who said this that. Um, the Yankees don't sell and we're winners. And he gave this whole rah-rah speech and it was just complete bullshit. And they, everyone knew that the Yankees were not going anywhere this year. And they would have been idiots to hang on to Chapman and just, you know, let him walk into free agency without getting anything for him. Um, so were you surprised, I guess, that they've had this shift in philosophy that we're going to actually try to build a winning team like a real baseball team does? Yeah, I was. I thought so, and I thought when they went into the All Star break, it took three out of four to the Indians, um, and got back to five hundred heading into the All Star break, and then with the big games against um, Boston and Baltimore right after the break, um, I really thought, you know, one, I thought there's no way they're going to sell now, especially if they do well in these next seven home games against the Red Sox and the Orioles, um, and two, I thought, you know, what if they go out and they win both those series, and they're sort of in a position where not only is the wild card in play, but they would have taken a chunk out of the division, but. They lose two out of three to Boston, but then they win three out of four against the Orioles and then take two out of three against the Giants. Um, And it really, you know, that series against Tampa Bay, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leading into Monday's deadline, they get swept by the last place Rays, which forced their hand and made them sell. But if they win two out of those three games against the Rays, um, we're still looking at the same Yankees team we saw before the deadline. And I still think, you know, Beltran's on this team and I still think Miller's on this team uh, and it'd be much different. They'd still suck. And they just wouldn't have anything to show for it. Yeah, which would have been terrible and heads would have rolled because, you know, there's no excuse for not getting something for Chapman, not getting something for Beltron, which I still, I mean, I definitely think that Chapman's coming back. You yeah, have to come win the World Series. I don't, I, I, you know, I'm sure he's going to be a hero there if, you know, he ends up getting the final out of the World Series and ending the World Series throughout Chicago. I guarantee you that uh, as long as the Yankees match, I mean, he's obviously a money guy. There's no doubt he's going to the highest bidder. But I just I think that the Yankees will be the highest bidder because, they, you know, they worked out. And I think that he enjoyed it there, and I think that they enjoyed having him. I, I was somewhat surprised, though, that they ended up dealing Andrew Miller because he had that, that second year left on his contract. I mean, obviously, that 
that's the deal for me that said, okay, the Yankees are very confident that they're going to be able to sign Chapman back because, yeah, the chances is great, but he's not enough. I don't know why you would weaken your team for 2017 um, just to cash in with a couple more prospects. So that, to me, means that either they're they're not planning on contending in 2017 or they're really confident in bringing back Chapman. Yeah, I think they'll bring back Chapman because uh... – He's going to be the biggest name free agent now that Strasburg's gone. Um, there's no good position players for them to get. The pit, starting pitching's horrible, this free agent class. So the ownership is going to see the, how empty the stadium is the last seven weeks. They're going to want the money. They're, they love that, you know, he brought headlines for throwing 105. They love, you know, that people were excited and, you know, to see him pitch. They love that, you know, what he brings to from the business side of things and ticket sales. So I do think they'll bring him back. And uh, they'll have so much money coming off the books anyway now that, Beltran's going to share his leaving. Um, if they could somehow move McCann's contract, uh, which I think they will, and then maybe something happens with Gardner. I think they're stuck with Ellsbury and Headley forever, which is just miserable. I wish Rick Purcell one-punched Headley last night. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I definitely think Chapman's coming back. But from your standpoint, you know, we've talked – you know, so many times about David Price and his signing, and I know you guys have become buddies on Twitter, and you were all about getting him to Boston. But I mean, you you cannot be happy. I mean, you must be scared about the deal that he currently has with the Red Sox. Um, I don't really think that. Uh, I mean, so I, there's so many examples to go on with David Price. First of all, we've had so many in Boston. It's not even just examples throughout the league that you can point to. We had a couple here in Boston. Josh Beckett, his first year in Boston, he was terrible. He led the league in home runs allowed. He, I think his ERA was like around five. Uh, then the next year he wins 20 games and he's a Cy Young runner-up. He probably should have won it. And then, uh, and then he puts the team on his back and pretty much single-handedly wins you a World Series. And then you have Rick Porcello. You're watching that happen right now. So, Porcello got here last year. I think his ERA was like five and a half. It was close to six. And now, I mean, he's probably going to finish in the top ten in the Cy Young Award this year. He's leading the MLB in wins. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a disappointing season. Even if Price turns it around right now and, and goes on a run for the last month and a half, we're still going to look back on his first season in Boston as a disappointment. But, I mean, it's a seven-year deal. I mean, it's definitely not opting out after three years, especially after this first year. So, yeah, we're stuck with them. But I don't think that it's it's a situation where, oh, this is a wash. This is, uh, you know, big mistake. He could easily come back next year. He's only going to be 31 next year. Come back and win a Cy Young Award or be top five or have a dominant season like, you know, he's accustomed to having. Um, and the other thing, too, is that I think – because of the money, and that's what Red Sox fans are so upset about. I mean, if this guy was making, you know, 15, 20 million bucks a year, it's not as big of a story. It's because he's making record-breaking money that everyone's complaining because, I mean, you look at his last – coming into his last start, I think the Red Sox scored two runs or less in eight out of his last 12. So they're losing pretty much every time he takes the mound, but – I would say a decent amount of those starts, it's the Red Sox offense's fault, but they get a free pass because they're quote unquote, the best offense in in baseball, but it's because they beat up on teams and then they'll suck and then they'll beat up on teams and then they'll suck. So they haven't consistently just been a good offensive team. They kind of just 
have a homestand where they score a million runs, and then they'll go on a road trip and, and you know, average three and a half runs a game. It, it, that's kind of how it's been this year. Um, but as far as, like, David Price goes, the, it's it's a huge overreaction right now, and, and I'm I'm not panicking whatsoever just because I, you know, you can look back to literally the last year and how everyone was saying the same thing about Rick Porcello, and now not one person, I haven't heard one person this entire year say anything about that extension that the Red Sox gave Porcello. The guy was like, what, four years, $82.5 Everyone's like, this is the worst contract ever, blah, blah, blah. And now it's going to turn out to be a steal. And, it, and, and the logic behind it was um, kind of the anti-David Price. It was, you know, we're going to pay you for your prime years for what we think you can do instead of price. We're going to pay you for the end, of, you know, the tail end of your career based on what you did already. And I mean, it's obviously paying off in terms of Porcello. And I still think that there's at least three or four good years of price left in the tank. When you look at this Red Sox team, I mean, to me, they're built very similar to the way the 04 to 08 Yankees were built with a lineup that would, like you said, they just beat up on craft teams all season long. And that's, you know, lead the league in runs. That's what gets them to the playoffs or at least in the Red Sox case right now, playoff contention. But come the postseason, uh, you know, you've got Price who has a horrible postseason history, which I don't put much, you know, stock into because that could change with one good start to start an ALDS or something. And then Porcello, who's also had a shaky postseason, who I, you know, I'm not as high on Porcello as you are. And then after that, you've got a knuckleballer and then really just nothing unless you believe in Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez or the back end of that rotation. So it seems to me like the, the Red Sox, you know, they built themselves to win in the regular season, which you need to do to get to the playoffs. But I don't know if they'll even get there. I mean, to them, to you, are, are they a playoff team? And if they got there, I mean, do you think they could win with the way they're built? Um, They're definitely a playoff team. I think that they're the best team in the American League East. I think the Orioles suck. I have no idea how they're in first place. I have no idea how they've hung around for as long as they have. Uh, they're clearly the third best team in the division, even though they're in first place by some sort of miracle. Toronto, I thought, I picked Toronto to win the division at the beginning of the year. And, I mean, I guess they're performing to expectations, but for different reasons than I expected. I don't think anyone thought that uh, Jay Happ was going to have 15 wins at this point in the year. I think that Marcus Stroman, I thought that Stroman was going to be what Happ has been for the Blue Jays this year. And Aaron Sanchez came out of nowhere. Estrada came out of nowhere. And they've kind of, they've been like the Red Sox where they've just gotten these pitching performances out of nowhere. And the guys that they went into the season hoping to get big years from, they haven't. Um, so that's kind of where the Blue Jays have come from. But in terms of the Red Sox, it's just, you know, Price has been, I think they're 11 and 13 in games that he starts. But Porcello, they're, something like 17 and eight or something. If you take away Porcello's starts, they're 500. They're 44 and 44 in games not started by Rick Porcello. So that just goes to show you how huge he's been. But again, going into this season, nobody except for me thought that Porcello was going to be any good. I picked him to win 17 games this year. But right now I think he has 12, 
chances to win five more games to get to 20, which would just exceed, I think, everyone's expectations. And Stephen Wright, I guess we're now learning, is, is hit or miss. Uh, Pomeranz, there's obviously that huge adjustment period coming over from you know, San Diego. And when they acquired him, Pomeranz had the fourth lowest ERA in the MLB. I don't think that the Red Sox thought that they were getting that type of pitcher when they traded for him. I think that they knew that, you know, if you look at his ERA in the mid twos, that they, you know, could adjust that to the American League East. It would be at least three and a half or something like that. But I think you know, since he's gotten here, the ERA is almost six. But the Red Sox, as constructed right now, are definitely good enough to get to the playoffs. Are they good enough to win a World Series? I don't think so. But I also think that the playoffs are kind of a crapshoot. You know, you run into, uh, you know, some good pitching teams, but then again, some of the best pitchers shit their pants in the playoffs. And you look at <laughs> Jake Arrieta, what he's been in the regular season, and he's been pretty disappointing in the playoffs. And uh, John Lester was great in Boston in the playoffs. And since he's left Boston, I mean, that doesn't get talked enough about. He, he's kind of sucked in the playoffs since he left, left Boston. But, um, I think overall they're a team that, that should and I think will at least get to the American League Championship Series, but I, I honestly don't think that anyone is going to be able to compete with uh, Cleveland's rotation. I mean, they one through five. It's not even just a playoff rotation of one through three. I mean, one through five, that is a rotation that no one in the American League can compare to. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, now that uh, the season's sort of winding down here, the Yankees, you know, they only have one more trip to Fenway in the middle of September. And, uh, you know, this will be A-Rod's last trip here. I know you were at the game last night. And they asked A-Rod about how he sort of wanted to be sent off. And I know that the Red Sox said they wouldn't, you know, do anything for him. And I don't think they even should have done anything for Jeter or Rivera. I hope the Yankees don't do anything for Ortiz. I think, you know, at some point, you know, keep the situation that it's been for 20 years, the situation that it is. And I think A-Rod said it best when he said, you know, I hope they give me one more loud boo as I, as I leave this place. And, you know, it's good for him to say that because, I, you know, it's it's just gross to see them, you know, lawed over Derek Jeter. And I know you even said how, um, you know, he, he got a, sort of a better ceremony than some Red Sox players got for having their numbers retired. So I, I hope that <laughs> Fenway, you know, Okay, you want to give him a standing ovation, whatever, when he comes to the plate. I hope the Yankees don't do that for Ortiz. That'll be disgusting. But, you know, just treat him the way you treat him. You know, there's a reason why A-Rod is who he is when he goes to Boston, and I hope it finishes that way if uh, Girardi ever puts him in the lineup these last two games. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I did write that because I, as I was writing it, I mean, it wasn't something that I thought and then I wrote. I was kind of realizing it as I was writing it, like, wow, um, the Red Sox definitely gave Derek Jeter a better farewell ceremony than a majority, if not all, of the greatest Red Sox who have retired in the last 15 years. I mean, um, Trot Nixon was a guy, I didn't even list him in that blog post, but he didn't get anything. Uh, Jason Veritek and Tim Wakefield got a joint ceremony down in spring training that year. Uh, Pedro got two ceremonies, but... I mean, I think Jeter's was definitely hyped up way more. And, um, pay, yeah, who else? Manny didn't get anything. Manny didn't get a ceremony. If he was, I mean, if you don't have Manny, you don't have a 2004 World Series title. A lot of these guys, even like Kurt Schilling, they just ride off into the sunset. They did not get retirement ceremonies. 
and Derek Jeter basically got treated like an all-time Red Sox legend uh, at Fenway Park for his his send-off. So, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I hope that I hope that David Ortiz doesn't even get a standing ovation at Yankee Stadium just because um, I, I think that and he'll realize this someday, but. It, it almost means more to get booed by Yankee fans as a as a visitor. I mean, you don't really, especially as a a figure like him, a guy who has literally tormented the Yankees for almost two decades. Um, it's just he's going to get booed, and I hope that he doesn't take offense to it because they're not going to boo you if you're nobody. You are the guy who keeps. He is a guy that, he, he's a guy that would take offense to it because I think he thinks that everyone should love him. Right. No, he does. He definitely does. And I think that I mean, he definitely understands it during his playing career, but I think his mentality is kind of just like, all right, just give me my one moment, um, you know, just for old time's sake. Just give me one moment where you can show appreciation. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you're right. Hopefully, you know, A-Rod gets booed. Hopefully Ortiz gets booed because – that that's really the, the way things should go here, and it's weird to to think back to the the idea that A Rod was almost on the Red Sox. That Kevin Millar said that he'd rather have A Rod or the team would rather have A Rod than Manny, and Manny ends up beat, winning the World Series MVP in '04 and just being a thorn in the Yankees' side for his entire career. So I wish there was some way to you know to look back and see if uh, you know some storylines in sports. You know if if. You know, if Roberts never steals or if he gets thrown out, if A-Rod becomes a Red Sox, it would be cool if you could look into some sort of crystal ball and see how things would have been because it would definitely <laughs> would have been a lot different. Maybe the Red Sox have, you know, would have won in 4 anyway if they have A-Rod in, instead of Manny. But um, it is weird to think that he was so close to being on the other side of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it very strange. And, I mean, if you watch that documentary – on uh, ESPN and it's on YouTube. It's like 20 minutes long. Uh, it's, I don't think that Red Sox fans and maybe even Yankee fans didn't realize how close it actually got. Like the Red Sox had a signed contract, a Red Sox signed contract with A-Rod's signature on it. Like it was done. It was happening. It was the league that shut it down and um, it would have changed everything. And, and one of the biggest I mean, it was a it was a small detail at the time, but it became a bigger detail as it went along. Was uh, part of that deal was that with Manny, John Lester was a left-handed pitching prospect at the time. He was going to Texas in that A-Rod deal, so that changes everything. That screws up 2004. That screws up 2007. Um, I mean, that affects everything up until. Right now, I mean, the A-Rod deal could have screwed up. You know, Rick Porcello wouldn't have be a 15-game winner for the Red Sox right now because the Red Sox trade John Lester for Cespedes, they trade for Porcello. So, I mean, we're talking about two, uh, the, the off-season of 2003-2004 having ripple effects all the way up until right now in 2016. It's pretty crazy. All right, Jared. Well, thanks for coming on talking some Yankees-Red Sox. Uh, you know, maybe... Uh, things will get a, a little happier for Yankees fans here in these last two games of Fenway. Maybe A-Rod will actually um, see himself in the lineup. Maybe some of these other guys who suck worse than him won't. But thanks for coming <laughs> on, and uh, we'll have to talk again soon and uh, for the next series coming up here in a few weeks. Sounds good, man. Always appreciate the time talking 
Yankees baseball was my favorite Yankee fan, especially when they're going through some hard times. It's always up to me to make you feel better about your terrible team. <laughs> All right, Jared. Thanks again. Take it easy.